because of that, that leads me. We've been talking about worldliness and, and being worldly and, and being in the world and not of the world. And I, I think we've exhausted this subject, but I think we ought to backfire at least once since we're talking about all the exhaust we're putting out. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19, I want to read this passage. And I didn't get my scriptures to Sister Cheyenne, but she's of that younger generation. And she's just two clicks away from scriptures and she can get it pretty quick. We're ready for it. 1 Corinthians 9 and 19. She's fast, but she can't hear. Sorry, can you hear me? Turn it up just a little bit, Brother Rob, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. She can't, she can't hear me. I'm, I'm stuttering, I know. You got it? There we go. All right, somebody say praise the Lord. Here we are in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. I am free from all men, yet a servant unto all. Free, yet serve. Free, yet serve. I want to talk tonight about whether I'm a God pleaser or a man pleaser. I think sometimes in a worship service, I appreciate this worship team. I think sometimes in a worship service, we feel certain strains on us and feel certain emotions, but we're afraid what people will think. I've heard people say, oh, Brother Gene, you should have seen me win. I'd like to see you win. Somebody say amen. So we're going to talk about being free yet serving, free from all men, yet servant unto all. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your blessings, God, and what we've experienced here tonight. Thank you for the worship of your people. Lord, I pray you would touch each one of us tonight, touch our hearts. Let us hear what you would say to us as we open our hearts now to your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, let's hear the word of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Relations are, relationships are a mixed blessing. Amen. Relationships are not all blessings, but they're not all curses either. (laughs) They're, They're a mixed blessing. We enjoy the company and friendships of people, but We also suffer sometimes because of those relationships. You ever lived with anybody that's real nice to everybody, but they're not too nice to everybody they live with? You better not raise your hands. They might not be nice to you in front of everybody. You ever met somebody that all the kids want to run up to and hug, but when they go home, everybody treats them like they got the plague because they're going to hurt somebody? You know, friendships can be a blessing, but yet they can also be a trial because friends can put pressure on you to do things you shouldn't do, make decisions you shouldn't make. Hello? And uh, p- because of that, people pressure us, people coerce, people make demands because 
of a relationship. Well, if you were my friend, this is what you should do. Somebody say amen. Have you noticed that we increasingly, and the studies uh, not only predicted this, but they now, uh, they have enough uh, uh, evidence, enough uh, clinical evidence to show that the byproduct of the culture we're living in now is producing a lot of self-centered people. I mean, you're, you're, uh, just think about your, your activity on your iPhone. Uh, I mean, just iPhone and iPad, it's all about me. Uh, it's, it's tailored for your, your desires. In fact, you uh, say you Google a, a pair of shoes, huh. And you like this certain pair of shoes and you look at two or three pairs of shoes and you get out of all that. And then the, two weeks later you go online and you're looking at, uh, say you're looking at to see how the LSU football team is doing. And to your amazement, down on the sidebar of your little website, there'll be an advertisement for more shoes like the shoes you looked at a couple of weeks ago. Because they're tracking your preferences. Because everybody's different. And everybody has different desires and everybody's desires are important and everybody's tracking history is important. And all of a sudden, we're the most important part. You realize that the days of retail shopping are just about over? Do you realize that Amazon Prime is just about to destroy retail shopping? You understand that? You understand that you can get whatever you want shipped right to your front door, free shipping and all that stuff. You don't even have to leave your house because it's your world. It's your universe. Uh, God forbid that you don't like somebody's post. <laughs> Try that on. You know, somebody types out a nice, long, thoughtful, they gave it a lot of thought, but they didn't give it a complete thought. And you say, well, I'm not sure I agree with that. And, oh, oh, World War Three, Because, and if we're not careful, we are... We are pressured and coerced and sidestepped because we, we really, to some degree, want to please people. We don't want to make anybody mad. Hello? You know, we all have that. I think it's a good thing not to want anybody mad at us. <laughs> Something, sometimes there are things that trump somebody's opinions. Hello? In fact, how many are parents here? Raise your hand. Don't, don't be embarrassed. I know some of you are afraid. I don't even want them to know I have kids tonight. You got kids. Raise your hand if you got kids. How many know that when you were raising your kids, there was something you were going to have to say to them that was really going to upset them? But you decided this principle is more important than me pleasing little Johnny. Me and Sister Angela. Okay, anybody else? We need a parenting class, obviously. Christy? Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take notes, Christy. There are times when you have to tell little Johnny no. And little Johnny's not going to like it. He's going to roll in the floor and pitch a fit. I can't tell you how many times I was sitting in a restaurant and I would look at the high chair and I would say, Do you want to go to the bathroom? That was code for you're fixing to get wore out. You're not going to embarrass me in front of all these people. I'm not going to let you. 
I've been in the Walmart line with people that are apologizing for their kids climbing up the candy thing, throwing all the candy in the floor, running there. They get all the candy back in. Little Johnny's gone across the hall to As Seen on TV shelf, and he pulls out all the collapsible hoses, and he's, oh, I'm sorry. He, he gets this way. I hadn't given him his pills yet. Yeah, you need a pill, all right. You've decided you're not going to offend him. Anybody okay? I should probably move on. We do live in a self-centered society, and, and living with people is a challenge. It'd be nice if you were the only person in the world. And the world was tailored for your needs. Your, you know, your favorite color, the grass was your favorite color. If we're not careful, our entire life can be manipulated... A service can be manipulated. Well, I don't know if I want to raise my, you know, well, people know I'm not perfect or people, you know, what do they think? You know, who cares what they think? I think it's very important, first and foremost, that we be free from all men. I mean, wouldn't you like to go to a church where the pastor only hung out with all the big tithe payers. Wouldn't be very many. Thank you, Lynn. That's right. I wouldn't have anybody to hang out with. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. Wouldn't you like it where there's, you know, there's this tier of these important people and then then there's uh, kind of all the chopped liver people You know, the Bible says there's three things that God desires for us. Three things. It's found in Micah chapter 6. That we do justly. That we love mercy. Now that first one, it's very important. Do justly. I think you need to understand what that means. That means we need to treat everybody the same. Oh, you can't do, oh, absolutely you can If you're free from all men, then that means I need to go in a counseling session and talk to your kids like they were my kids. Uh Uh-oh. Everybody okay? Everybody say free from all men. I believe there needs to be a freedom that we experience. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's times when a service can be bound. I believe the Lord wants us to be free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's a fact. But there are sometimes people hinder us. Somebody say amen. If we're not careful, we'll be controlled. There'll be things we do or don't do because... And how can we love people, enjoy healthy relationships with them, and yet not be prisoners of their opinions, their attitudes, their wants? This is what I want for you. Uh, pardon the personal uh, example, but uh, Chelsea called me the other day, and she called me. You know, I I know when my phone rings from one of my kids, that means my spouse and the other sibling didn't answer. <laughs> and they're probably going to listen to the podcast, and that's all right. Poor, poor me. No, it's fine. I know. Oh, what's the matter? Mom's not answering. <laughs> Well, I got a phone call because um, 
One of my children was little, a little put out with their mother. You think I'm going to get in the middle of that? I'm free from all men. Uh, no, no, no. You're not dragging me in that stuff. No. Said that. No, no what, what it all boiled down to was mom kind of had this, you know, well, I, you know, there are people, if you're not careful, they've got wants for your life. I've seen people that couldn't quite make it in sports. Bless God, when they had a kid, bless God, I'm going to live my life through that little boy and he's going to be the best one they ever come along. I got a want for him. That kid grows up hating that. Okay. Other people put their wants on you. Paul said, first of all, I'm free from all men. Now, I think Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says it beautifully, and I think it's very important that we understand this, what I'm saying today. I, I don't believe people ought to be chopped liver to us. I don't believe we ought to treat people bad. But I think we get it reversed if we're not careful. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The, on these two commandments hang all the pro- law and the prophets. Everybody say, The greatest commandments. Now, don't ever forget that Jesus established a very important line of progression in this verse. Love the Lord first and everybody else second. Don't ever get that mixed up. I know it is. You deserve a pat on the back for loving people. You deserve an award for loving your neighbor as yourself. But you are in disobedience if you haven't done the first commandment. That means you can't love your neighbor the way God wants you to love your neighbor if you don't first love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Somebody say amen. The only way people can have the right place in my life is if I love the Lord first. How many's ever felt like you needed to say something to somebody, it was, it was the truth and you know they needed to hear it, but you were afraid of how it was going to fall on their ears? Uh-huh, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not talking about going around shooting everybody between the eyes. Well, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Oh, when you're walking by, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. No, but there are times where we realize that I love God first and foremost. And I cannot hold my peace when truth is being trampled over. Thank God for people that looked me in the eye and told me the truth. Thank God for a wife that looks at you and says, you're acting like your dad now. And I say, yeah, and you're acting like his third wife. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I love the Lord. I mean, know that it's, sometimes it's easy to love the Lord. That's abstract. He's not here. He don't talk back to us much. We pray a lot, but we run off before he starts talking. 
He's kind of abstract. We don't have to go home with him. People, that's another story. Somebody say amen. Matthew 10, 37. This is the way it is. First love is the most crucial. Everybody say first love. And that's loving Jesus with all your heart. Loving, listen, you can't love your kids the way you're supposed to if you don't love Jesus with all your heart. You can't love your neighbor the way you should love him if you don't love Jesus with all your heart. Nothing before him. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy. I am not worthy if my child is more important to me than God and obeying God. Somebody say amen. For some, this may be a surprising discovery, but it's fundamental. It's a principle of the kingdom. God must always be first. Always. Always. When we give God his rightful place, we, can, we are actually able to love our families, our friends more completely. When he's number one, everything else falls into its proper place. If he's not first, it can get twisted quick. Matthew 6, 23. I want you to look at this. I want you to know what you should seek first. And it's not man's approval. Matthew 6, 33. Is that Matthew 6, 33? Oh, it is now. Yeah, okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sister Chayanne. Get those ears checked. Sorry. And I'm teasing. She's doing a good job. I didn't give them to her before church, so she's trying to rush. Matthew 6, uh, 33. Read it with me. But seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, do you, do you know that as a pastor, I've seen people uh, seek other things first than the kingdom? Than the kingdom. The kingdom of God is first. What betters the kingdom is first. Seek first the kingdom of God and doing things right, His way. And things will be added to you. You know the Lord will bless somebody that puts the kingdom first. Well, we don't see it sometimes because Joseph had to see a lot of other people's dreams fulfilled before he got his dream fulfilled 20-something years later. But you know what? Joseph was kingdom-minded. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to get upset and bitter because it's not going my way. I'm going to keep the kingdom first. Somebody say amen. So if we choose to love and value other people more than we do God, our whole life gets thrown off balance. Let me say something to young adults who are single here and think that marriage is your answer. Hello, you're going to see me again. It won't be here. It'll be back there in that office. (laughs) And you'll realize it wasn't your answer. (laughs) Everybody okay? All right. Let me say something to all the single folks. Let me say something to you now. If you seek a spouse more than you're seeking the kingdom, you're going to get messed up quick. 
I can't tell you how many phone calls and emails I've gotten from people that decided when they were 18 or 19 that what wasn't any cool women in church. We got to find somebody somewhere in the camp of Philistines to go find and, and, and get married to. And off they wandered. And, and now 20 to 25 to 30 years later, they're saying, you know what? I want to come back to God, but my spouse doesn't like it. They weren't raised that way. Now they're caught in a dilemma. Friend, you better put the kingdom of God first. Everything else hinges on that first in your life. I'm free from all men. Somebody say amen. So when we love people first, we find that we need their approval. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to have a pastor that asks you what you want him to preach every Sunday? What do you think I ought to preach next Sunday, Christy? Wouldn't be much fun, would it? Because you'd know whose sermon he's preaching. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to hear Joyce's sermon? If I preached every sermon for Joyce to approve of it, my goodness. When we love people first, what actually happens is we need their approval. We like their pat on our back. And that does great things for men's egos. Am I okay? Uh oh. When we spend our time and effort trying to satisfy people, we cease to please God and we start pleasing people. But, you know, maybe it's because I'm 54, but I've made up my mind I want to see God smile. I want to see Him approve of my life. And that may mean. Loving him first and saying, you know what, I love people, but I'm not going to expend my energy trying to get their approval. I want God's approval first. And here's what we get when we do that. Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 1. I want the favor of God on my life. And the favor of God on my life is going to put me at odds with this world and the people of this world. I don't act like they act. I don't do what they do. I don't go with I don't fun to me is totally different than fun for them. Proverbs 3 says you'll have favor if you do something. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And what will it do? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Keep the law of God and it'll give you peace. Keep what I command you to do and it brings peace. Long life, length of days, peace will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the tables of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Look at that. Favor with God leads to being favored by men. But friend, if you start trying to please men, you may lose God's favor. Somebody say amen. This is an important question we must ask ourselves. Whose favor do you want? Do you want men's favor? Do you want your neighbor's favor? Or do you want God's favor? Most of us want to be liked by others. It's a a slippery slope. It's a trap. Uh, Most young pastors probably find themselves in that. 
I can't tell you how many I've talked to and they say, you know, I'm going to pastor, I'm pastoring. And I'm, I said, you know, the greatest, the greatest challenge is for you to lose that desire for everybody to like you. I called my pastor one time and told him about all this. You know, I just want everybody to be pleased. And he said, I want to tell you something. Your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe you anyway. You can't please everybody. Most of us want to be liked, and that's just innate in us. But when we need the approval of other people, we give them power. (laughs) We give them power over us. That means I want to come to church, and I want to be able to worship God, lift my hands up. Everybody okay? Okay. Because if I'm worried about what somebody thinks about my worship, they have more power over me than God does. Now, I don't know about you, but God's done more for me than anybody in this world has ever done. So I'm not going to spend my time letting somebody else have power over me. I'm going to be free, everybody say free, of all men, free of all men. Now there's two main truths and I... Hurry tonight, two main truths that I, I think we must learn about approval and, and that kind of thing. I think it's, it's very important. Uh, first of all, it is difficult to achieve uh, approval of other people. That's difficult. Now, surely, I guess in this part of the notes, I'm the only one that feels this way, but the approval of other people is difficult to achieve. You know why it's difficult? Because most people are not ever satisfied. Everybody okay? The second thing, it is basically worthless, which means it has no eternal or lasting value. Pleasing other people has no eternal value. It really doesn't. So the approval of people must be based, is based upon what we do, and the approval of God is based upon who we are. Everybody say who we are. God's approval in my life is not about what I do. It's about who I am. I'm his child. I've been bought with a price. I'm reminded of a story. Uh, it's, I didn't put it in my notes, so uh, bear with me just a minute. But uh, Gene Chiswick, who those of you that follow sports at all, you may recognize the name. He was the head coach of the Auburn Tigers when they won the national championship a number of years ago and a very famous Heisman winning uh, a quarterback was on their team by the name of Cam Newton. How many people here remember that name, Cam Newton? Anybody? A few. He was a, a very gifted quarterback, and Gene Chizik took him under his wing. He was a freshman and, and uh, transferred into Auburn and then, and then uh, won the starting job and, and chased the records at Auburn uh, University. Uh, Cam Newton uh, uh, pulled some people close to him to try to keep him on track because he noticed uh, after he won the Heisman Trophy there was a lot of things pulling on him, a lot of people pulling on him. And I listened to an a interview with Gene Chizik and he's, he was talking about how he helped Cam Newton through uh, these troubled uh, times with with not knowing who was who and, and well people all of a sudden you have friends everywhere because you're a high profile quarterback uh, 
uh, going to the NFL, Heisman Trophy winner. And, and Gene Chizik said that Cam Newton and him had a talk, and, and Cam Newton was puzzled. He was puzzled because there were a lot of people that came into his life because of what he did. He was, a, he was a great quarterback and a lot of people rallied around him and, and they rallied around him for what he did with his life. And he said, you know, the, the, the greatest safety for my life, for me to make it through trouble and, and, and things that are going on, the way I keep myself focused, he said, Cam Newton made this statement to his head coach. He said, the way I keep myself focused is I'm only surrounded by those people who know who I am and not just what I do. I keep myself, those few people around me that know who I am, not just what I do. You know, and it's very important, folks, that we understand that approval from God is not about what we do. He loved you when you were a sinner. You ought to thank God for it. He loved you when you were going your own way. It wasn't about you coming to church and getting dressed up and doing things right and oh, now I got God's attention. No, you were the apple of his eye before you ever thought about church. You were made in his image and in his likeness. You were made to be redeemed. Jesus loves you or you wouldn't be here tonight. Well, somebody clap your hands under the Lord if you believe that. So that's the point. Approval of God is about who I am, not about what I do. And there, people will approve of you when you do things that are right in their eyes. And you say, you know, this is what I do for you and I thank you for what you do for me. But what about who that person is? When we fail to do things that people want, you know what happens? Well, I wanted them to do this, and then the minute you don't do it, you find out, you find out who your friends are. That ought to be a song. We fail to do things God's things God wants us to do. He's quick to listen to this. How many's found that when you didn't do what God wanted you to do, He said, "Oh, we're not going to be friends anymore." No. No, he didn't do that. You know, the minute you said, Lord, I'm sorry, I made a mess of it, what did he do? He forgave you. He gives you power to know what to do right the next time. People don't do that. When you let them down, well, we can never be sure of other people's approval. We are never secure when we're wanting people's approval. The only security in our life is knowing that God's smiling at me. God's smiling at me. There are times when a pastor has to do the dance. <laughs> do the dance. You got to word it. You want to just come out and say it. But you got you to you package it so that it falls lightly like a feather. Oh. If you manage people, if you've worked in a business place and you got people you're in charge of, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You want to you, you wanna say, well, why in the world? What's the matter with you? But you have to say, oh, I love you, honey. You're beautiful. Now, let's do it this way. 
When we learn to get our self-worth from other people, we are continually battling with what we can do and what we're involved in. But friend, when we get our value from God, we are more focused on who we are and not what we do. I I want my life to be, the energy of my life to be focused on who I am Brother Tenney made a statement to me a number of years ago. He said, Calvin, you need to work the hardest on the thing you're going to be the longest. And there will come a day when I will no longer be the pastor of this church. So if every decision I make in my life has to do with what I am, I am living short-sighted. Because there will be a day I won't be able to preach anymore. I don't make decisions because I'm the preacher or I'm the pastor. Who I'm going to be goes a lot longer than my ability to pastor a church. I want God's smile on my life, not just on what I do, but who I... So we ought to strive, folks, not on pleasing what we other people feel like we are. Well, i got to do this and i got to do that or I'll let somebody down and all of a sudden our lives are not our own. They're others. But my life is the Lord's. My life is the Lord's. First Thessalonians 2, 3. Now hurry. First Thessalonians 2, verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as... Pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Look at that. Paul said, I want to tell you something. The gospel sometimes was hard to speak. The truth sometimes was hard to say to people. But you know what? God gave us the ability to speak not as men pleasers, but God pleasers. Because he tries our hearts. So... Paul said in this opening verse, and I'm closing. If they want to come to the music, I, yeah, yeah, I'm closing. Paul said, I'm free from all men, yet I serve, yet, free from all men, yet I have made myself servant. More than needing something from people, which would be approval, Paul said, I am free of all people. That gives me the ability to serve people. Somebody say amen. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. This is the verse we read, but we're going to read a little further. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Look at this. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain Jews to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. But being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might gain the weak, I am made all things to what? All men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you, 
Now, Paul says that opening verse, I'm free of all men, yet I've made myself to serve. Then he goes on to talk about what he tried to do to win some. It doesn't take you long to read the writings of Paul to realize he made some people very upset. But he made every effort to please God. In fact, he says it in this verse. Don't, don't mistake these verses. You've got you you, you know, to cross-check this with other verses. Rightly dividing is the term used in the book, one of the epistles of Peter. Now what he says here, to the Jews, I became a Jew. Listen to that. You hear that? Now, Paul did tell us before that he would do anything that his brothers, the Jews, would come to the gospel. He said, I would surrender anything if I could just allow them some way to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would do everything I could do. I would do anything that I could do to make them understand the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says to the Jews that was foolish, that was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it was foolishness. He's not saying I changed my message. He's not saying, oh, to the Jews I couldn't say this, but to the Greeks I could say that. No, he's talking about the, the, the tightrope a man walks between knowing, wait a minute, I gotta please God. And I gotta reach as far as I can reach to save some. I say amen. I think it's very important we understand that as a church, as a body of believers. You know, what would it be like in the church if we all please God? You know how wonderful that would be? That would be wonderful. Let me give you an example, Kevin. Say, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I come in to my Sunday school class. And bless God, the daycare has invaded my Sunday school class Monday through Friday. (laughs) And it is a teetotal wreck. Now I'm going to love God or I'm going to love people. Well, bless God right now, I don't love either one. I'm fixing to let somebody have it. If we want to please God first, that means love, right? That means let everything be done with, with love, without dissimulation. The Bible talks about don't. You, all these things are very important for us to think about. How I treat somebody is very important. But I don't tiptoe around issues because I want approval of people. But yet, I, on the other hand, I'm not going to run over people. You understand what I'm saying? There's a tightrope here. I want, I want to make sure that, that I'm not uh, unbalanced one way or the other. Somebody say amen. I'm trying to find examples to give you what I'm talking about. But knowing that some of you are Sunday school teachers, I'm trying to find something that none of, nobody does in here. So nobody will say, Wait, is he talking to me? See, right here in this message, I'm trying not to offend you. We've got to be careful how we deal with one another. We've got to love God first. And if I love God first, I'll treat my neighbor. And if I need to sit him down and say, look, don't mess with my classroom again. I was sitting at camp meeting here and Brother Caraway, our Section 3 Sunday School director, a young man from, uh, from Cambria preaching. And he said, 
he had the youth class or the children's classes teaching kids church and he said he stepped out for a minute while the kids were getting on the bus and he came back into the classroom and he said the kids had torn up the classroom and he said in fact his whole message was about this he said I started to call the van driver and say bring every one of those kids back they're going to pick up every toy they're going to put every cup in the trash they're going to pick up all the paper they strew all around the floor he said all of a sudden the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said you know what you can put up with their mess so I know you, you there's this fine line between pleasing God and pleasing people well I should say something well I shouldn't say something let, let me let me give you a little pastoral advice here tonight let me see every, the hand of every lady that thinks you're an older lady man I'm shocked I didn't think I'd have anybody raise their hand. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about to compare yourself. Well, I hope I'm not the only one. You feel like you're an, if we use this term elder, you're an elder lady in the church. Rob's looking up here. No faith doesn't have her hand up, Rob. It's okay. Did you? No? I don't know. I'm not. It doesn't matter. You know what the Bible talks about uh, older ladies doing in the church? Teaching who? Younger who? Younger who? Ladies. That's right. That older ladies are supposed to teach younger ladies how to live. But I can't tell you how many people would say, well, pastor needs this, needs, he needs to say this, he needs... No, you know what? There are explicit directions in the Word about how this church ought to operate. And one of them is older ladies don't keep quiet. Don't gossip. It, uh, it, if you start doing what the Bible tells you to do, you might not have time to check your Facebook page. If you realize there's some younger women I need to take under my wing and show them why we do some of the things we do. Am I okay? All right. I'm closing. Lord help us. There are freedom, three freedoms I want to talk to you about just, just as I close. The first one, the three freedoms of being God's servant. He said, I'm free of all men, yet I've made myself a servant to all. First of all, the first freedom, if we're going to serve people as God has called us to, we must be free from people. If we're going to serve people, we've got to be free from people. That's what Paul said. First of all, I'm free from all men. I can't serve them unless I'm free from them. Otherwise, my motives come into check. Why am I doing what I'm doing if I'm not free from all men? If I have preferential treatment in the church. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let me say this to you. I, there's an individual, well, well, I'm not sure if I was in the body or out of the body. I know not. One individual, whether it was a dream or reality, was pretty upset that I didn't text them every day. Because I don't know if you notice or not, but in the scripture, it tells that a pastor's role as a shepherd is to always be checking on the sheep. No, that's not in there. 
said, well, I can't understand why you don't text me every day. Check on me. I said, okay, let, let me, let's do a little math. Let's do a little math. I text you, hey, brother, hi, oh, sister, there we go. How are you doing? You text me back, I'm doing great, pastor, how are you? I text you back, I'm doing just fine. And you text back, have a good day. That's four texts. And all we did was say, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. That's four texts. There are 200 there were 239 people in this church Sunday morning. Do the math. If I text every one of them four texts a day, how much am I going to be texting? Do the math. That's about every 90 seconds I'll be texting somebody. Now I want to tell you something. To serve people, you've got to be free from people. I've had people get upset because they call my phone and I didn't answer. I get off the get off the airplane, hit it off airplane mode. Well, I didn't think he's going to answer your phone. I don't know why I even call you. Not, dude, I'm I'm thirty thousand feet in the air. I'm sorry it didn't come through. We we've got to understand, folks. We're here to please God. Church is a challenge, and it's challenging enough to please God. Can I get an amen? Hey, if we just focus on that, we got enough to do already. We wouldn't have to worry about it. It's challenging enough coming to a, a body of believers where we all have different needs, and we all have different wants, and we all have different opinions. But you know what? We're not, we need to be free from one another. I love you and you love me, but the way we serve one another is get our motives out of the way. Well, I thought if I treated him this way, he would do this. That's the beginnings of trouble. When we start doing things and saying things because, well, they're this and they're, they're going to do this for me, all of a sudden it gets twisted fast. I'm going to please the Lord. So, I'm gonna do, so to serve people, I got to be free from people. That's what Paul said. And the, and the Lord never told me to stay away from worldly people. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, he says, I'm not talking about people in the world because if it was people in the world I was talking about, you'd have to leave the world. You wouldn't be able to go to Walmart. If you were supposed to stay away from worldly people, you couldn't get your groceries. He said, no, I'll tell you who you need to watch out for is those that call themselves a brother. Well, you've got, you've got Google and Bible apps. You can look all those words. Paul said, stay away from people that have an excessive desire for more. Stay away from people who don't put God first. Stay away from people who attack another person's reputation by slander. Stay away from somebody that's dishonest. Uh-oh. The second thing I want to say to you, to serve people, we must not only be free from people, we must be free for people. 
We must look for opportunities to minister to other people, yes. We must be available to serve others, yes. But we must remember that people don't have to prove their worth to us before we share the grace of God and love to them. I need to be free from people so I can be free for people. That I can treat Betty Woodward just like I treat Lynn Bloom because I need to be free for people. If I'm bound by people, I'm not doing a service to them. Somebody say amen. All right, I'm going to go. The third thing, we must be free. Everybody say free. Free from people, free for people. Third thing, we must be free to serve. Serving others does not just mean supplying their needs. It means ministering the truth of God's word. Oh, man. Serving others does not mean giving them what they want. It means ministering the truth of God's word regardless of the response. Galatians 5 and 1. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What kind of liberty would be here if we were, if we were free from people and we were free for people? We'd be able to serve people. Wouldn't worry about what they say, what they think. We're here to love people because we love God first. And I think it'd be important for us tonight to make sure that we seek, the first, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness so that all those things can be added. Somebody say amen. Let's stand together right now. I want you to connect with somebody. In our first prayer, I think we ought to pray, Lord, help me to love you first. Help me to love you first. Not, not more than my kids, not more than my family, not more than my reputation, not more than my opinion. Lord, help me love you first and foremost with all my heart. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, I pray in the name.